it may go against our instinct as parents, but if you give your kid the freedom to lose their cool once in a while, you know, you give them space, you put them in the room, give them five minutes on their own to get it out of their system. Sometimes they need that. Sometimes they need to cry. They need to stomp their feet. They need to scream and hit something rather than bottling up those emotions and just stopping crying because you told them to stop crying. That's not gonna, that's not gonna be good for your kid in the long run. Welcome to Dad Splaining, a weekly chronicle of all the weirdest, messiest, grossest, and funniest parts of fatherhood hosted by two first-time dads. I'm Jesse. And I'm Brandon. And today we are going to be talking about meltdowns. Uh, Brandon and I are both going through the toddler phase with our kids. They're in, in between two and a half years old to three years old, and we are right in the thick of it with meltdowns. So we're going to be talking about how to manage those, how to handle them in a healthy way, how to help your kid kind of cope with those emotions that they're going through. Um, and what has worked and not worked for us. But before we get into all of that, Brandon, if our listeners want to reach out to us with questions or comments, where could they find us? Please give us a like or a follow on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Dadsplaining Podcast. You can reach out to us directly, dadsplainingpodcast at gmail.com, and then you can check out this and every episode anywhere you get your podcasts. We drop a new episode every week, usually on Mondays. This past week, it was on a Wednesday. So you never really know. Tune in for the surprises. We also have a parenting group on Facebook. So just search Dadsplaining, a parenting group. It is open to dads and moms alike. A great place to ask questions, share tips, share cute photos or stupid memes. Uh, no matter what you're bringing to the table, we would love to have you. Brandon, what is new with you guys? How is Noah doing this week? He's doing good. We are enjoying just kind of hanging out, playing around the house. Got some new train pieces that we're testing out. Got a new toy that's like these uh, like plastic pieces with like little magnets inside them. You can't see them, but they like stick together and they can be combined into like different uh, shapes. They're like robot themed. So it's like different parts of a robot that you kind of stack and put together um, in like little magnets um, so they can have like different arms or heads or legs or even oh. wheels apparently um, are common with robots. Um, so anyway, that's been kind of uh, fun to, to play around with, but uh, something kind of interesting uh, that is that it, Noah has taken a, a liking to, which just falls into like the category of the cuteness of kids that we just can't account for is that he has found himself enjoying like moments of prayer. And I know that sounds uh, out of left field. Like we're not a, you know, incredibly uh, devout or religious household. Like before this, we did go to church, but obviously haven't been in a while. But yeah. it just kind of like, you know, when we had some uh, some immediate family over and we did dinner and you do like the pre-dinner uh, thanking for the food, right? He mm -hmm. was like super into the concept of like holding hands, oh. like really liked the idea of holding all the hands. And so afterward he would ask, he's like, can we hold hands? And then he like wants to do the whole spiel again. Oh, like be, you know, the, the ring of hands around the table. I think that's what he might like the most, but he also yeah. seems to like the, the act of doing it for that reason, maybe. And then like, you know, just the other day we had somebody who's, uh, who's dealing with uh, COVID in the family. And so we were talking about that and we were like, oh, you know, why don't we, we do a prayer for that person. And so again, we like just standing and you like hold hands in like a little circle uh, and do like a quick prayer. And he like afterward, he would come back and be like, he's like, mommy, can we do the words again? The he's words. Like, can you do the words? Yeah. And you're Aww. like, you're not sure what he's talking about. Right. Cause yeah. he's like, he doesn't know either. Yeah. Um, and he's just like experiencing something for the first time. And he's like, can we do that again? And you're like, oh, that's nice. And you know, and then you start and you're like, did you mean the prayer? Uh, and he's, and he's like, uh-huh. And then you just do it again. And he's just like, at, at a certain point after like 30 prayers in a row, you're kind of over it. Right. <laughs> 
uh, you're like, listen, if I flood the inbox right. uh, of God, he's, he's going to be like spam. God's right? like unsubscribe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So, uh, you know, we have to cut it off at a certain point, which just feels kind of silly. It's like, no son, we're going to, we're done praying now. <laughs> we, yeah. don't wanna, we don't pray anymore. Uh, but I don't know. It's just like that, that weirdness, uh, the weird kid wonder where he's just like, I want to do prayers. And you're like, oh, okay all right, I guess we're going to be like a nightly prayer kind of a, a household now because uh, he enjoys doing it. All right. That's awesome. You might have a future Reverend Spears in the house. See, there you go. It runs in the family. So, I mean, I wouldn't yeah. that just be amusing my mm -hmm. uh, grandfather and some great, great, greats. And actually, you've really just brought up a tangent. I apologize. But like, no, go for the it. The first documented Spears uh, in America is Noah's namesake, uh, Noah Spears from the 1700s. Um, and he was... I don't know if it was Reverend particularly, but he was Reverend Noah Spears. And so Whoa. his namesake from hundreds of years ago coming okay. through. I just got chills. <laughs> like, Only because you mentioned it did I think yeah. about it. So I'm let's, just like, mm -hmm. let's come back to this uh, this talk this topic in 22 years when Noah is in seminary. Exactly. And, right? uh, and we'll see whether we were right or wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Well, try to top that, Jesse. What's going on with you? <laughs> oh, man, I don't know if I can top that. Um, but we are still in the thick of potty training. Um, it's going pretty well. We're having an accident maybe every other day. And like I mentioned in last week's episode, we are using these nylon diaper. They're called mm -hmm. diaper pants. They're really just an extra thin pair yeah. of underwear to go on top of the training underwear that David's wearing so that if he has an accident, in theory, it won't seep through mm -hmm, into the jeans, mm -hmm. but it has done that a couple of times if he's had a particularly heavy accident. Um, but he's learning. He's doing a good job. Um, he's even asking to go on potty sometimes, which hey, is a small right. victory. Um, and when he gets on, he goes every time. So that's, that's yeah, it's a good sign. And uh, the other cool thing is that he is um, really getting into his tricycle. Uh, which he got for Christmas. And he's just learned much faster than I thought he would how yeah. to handle it very smoothly. Uh, he rides it like a pro now. He'll ride it around the house and he'll he'll turn corners, very, uh, very <laughs> tight corners with ease. And then we'll wow. take him out on the sidewalk. And I mean, he will just go. And if he has to go up a hill, he will take his feet off the pedals and push until he gets to the top. And then he wow. will get back on the pedals and keep going. I mean, it's just really exciting to see, you know, uh, it happened a little earlier than, I thought it would, but that, you know, those are the cool sort of childhood images of seeing your mm -hmm. kid learning how to ride a trike and then learning yeah. how to ride a bike and then taking the training meals off. So I'm, I'm seeing those, uh, good for him, those, those moments come up and, uh, what you said a second ago about Noah and the handholding, um, brought to mind. So my mom watches, uh, David in the afternoons, uh, mm -hmm. two or three times a week, uh, after he gets out of daycare. And, um, one thing that she always did with me and my brother when she would drop us off at school in the morning is uh, what she called a hand hug. So she's driving the car. We're in the back seat. She can't reach back and hug us because we get to the car line and the teachers take us out and we go to school. So she'll mm -hmm. just reach back with her right hand and uh, we'll just hold her hand for a minute. And mm -hmm. that was called a hand hug. So it was just something that we did probably from kindergarten up through, you know, fifth or sixth grade when we, whenever we started riding the bus. But now she has taught him that Aww. when she's dropping him off in the afternoon. So that's, that's nice. a, yeah, one of those heartwarming you know, generation to, to generation moments that you love to see. But mm -hmm. other than that, we're just surviving day to day, looking forward to hopefully a light at the end of the tunnel soon with this pandemic and getting back to normal as uh, here in the state of Georgia, vaccines are rolling out. And uh, I mean, I don't know, obviously we're not there yet. We've got a long way to go, but it's a, it's a little bit uh, heartening to see mm -hmm. that maybe the end really is in sight. So that's, uh, that's where we are.
So on to this week's topic. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, we are going to be talking about meltdowns and tantrums and how to handle them. I'm going to be referencing two articles today. The first is called How to Deal with Toddler Temper Tantrums. This is an article from parents.com by Sean Driesback, John, uh, John C. Dunn, and Gail O'Connor. And uh, I definitely mispronounced those first two names. Um, but then we are going to be talking about something that I've experienced a lot, which is when children will hurt themselves out of anger. And we'll be referencing an article by Janet Lansbury that is basically a transcription from her podcast. And the topic is children hurting themselves when they're upset. Mm. I wanted to talk about this topic today because uh, as David has turned three, he's become much more strong-willed and gets very easily frustrated when he either doesn't get what he wants or Mm -hmm. when something is taken away from him or when he's being asked to do something that he doesn't want to do or uh, even more commonly when we're having communication issues, uh, when he wants something that he can't put it into words exactly what he wants and, and we can't give it to him because we don't know what it is. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, the the meltdowns have grown very loud and very physical and it, it could just be kind of frustrating sometimes. Are you guys going through that too, Brandon? Yeah. I mean, a different flavor probably, but like we haven't had the physical hitting himself kind of, kind of stuff, thankfully, but it's just, you know, there's the same situations where they don't understand what they're being asked to do or they don't want to do it. So yeah, I mean, I'll be interested to kind of talk about our different experiences, because I think that, you know, we're still in a phase where I am perhaps part of the problem where like, I really try to do conflict avoidance, rather than uh, conflict resolution. Um, And I try to sidestep, like if he starts to get emotional, I try to go in there and immediately diffuse the situation. And I, I kind of feel like that works, but maybe it's not ideal. I try not to diffuse it by giving in rather than like distraction. Uh, We'll talk about redirection and then, you know, maybe like trying to get him to talk about it. So to me, that makes me feel like I'm doing a good job, but I'm probably not following all of the the suggestions that we're going to go into. (laughs) Sure. But I mean, I mean, in your defense, and I'll sympathize with you, it's hard to practice conflict resolution with someone who only knows like 20 words. You know, (laughs) because the communication (laughs) breakdown like so often is the problem and you can't, you know, I mean, they understand more than they can speak sometimes, but it's Mm -hmm. sometimes it's just hard to to talk through things with them uh, because, you know, the the grasp of language and, you know, depth of thought just isn't quite there yet. So I totally get it. And I do the the redirection thing a lot as well. And, you know, I mean, luckily for both of us, that is one method of dealing with meltdowns that they uh, advise in this first, um, this first article that I'm going to talk about. And really one thing that I wanted to start on that, you know, as parents, it's easy to lose sight of is the why, like, why Mm -hmm. is this happening? Why are they acting this way? Sometimes completely out of nowhere, and then it you know disappears just as quickly sometimes. And uh, I mean, it's common sense, but sometimes it's hard to remember. They say that these tantrums often happen when a child either has trouble communicating or has trouble managing their emotions. And uh, mm-hmm. the big thing is at age two to three, um, and you know, really even on up until they get into preschool, they're dealing with those two things constantly. One is learning to communicate using English or whatever language it is they speak. And two is growing all of these emotions in their head and not knowing why they're feeling certain ways sometimes. I mean, that's something we can relate to as adults and not knowing what to do with those emotions. You know, I mean, a a three-year-old 
may get really angry about something and not know why they got so angry because they've mm-hmm. never been angry like that before. Like that's just something their brain just started doing last week. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that can be kind of scary and that can be kind of confusing and that can, I mean, worsen the situation sometimes. So I think it's important to keep that in mind just to have the right headspace going into managing these tantrums, like going into it, knowing, okay, my kid isn't intentionally being difficult. They're not doing this because they hate me or they're mad at me. Maybe mm. it's just because they're confused and upset and they feel like they're out of control and they can't get a handle on what they're doing or why they're acting the way that they're acting. Yeah, They give tips uh, that I thought were really helpful. Starting off, give them space when they throw a tantrum, even leave the room and ignore them for a little while. And it sounds a little cold and heartless and you can't do it all day. Um, but by taking away sort of that intense focus on them, it does a couple of things they say. One is it doesn't reinforce the behavior because it teaches them, okay, I can't roll around and scream on the ground and then get a negotiation Mm -hmm. for what I want. Like that's not going to open the table for getting the thing that I want or getting back the thing that was taken away from me. And then it also gives them space to work it out on their own, you know, and run out of steam and calm down on their own. That's why timeouts work when they're used sparingly. Uh, they, they do say don't do timeout every day, every time, because it will lose its power. Like any technique, like only mm-hmm. use it when the situation really calls for it. And they say like when it calls for it, maybe if they're being aggressive, if they're hurting their siblings or you or themselves, or they're damaging your stuff, like that's a good time to put them in the room, shut the door and give them five minutes to, to cool off on their own. The next tip they give, which we both do a lot, is redirection. And that's something that's, I mean, you can start doing that as early as, I don't know, six months. If a baby's crying, you just dangle something else in front of their face (laughs) and they, you know, immediately get distracted. It works less and less as they get older. I've noticed Um, it's a lot harder to redirect David's attention these days because he's just smarter than I give him credit for sometimes. And he's like, (laughs) no, 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 I haven't forgotten that thing that you took away from me. Uh, You can't just give me this new thing. Although it does still work sometimes. Like if he's upset, And I then talk him through, okay, we're done with that thing, but here's the next fun thing that we're going to do. Mm -hmm. That'll get through to him and he'll be like, oh, okay. You know, as he's wiping Mm. the tears from his eyes, I I do want to do that. Yeah. All right. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you can't do that every time, um, but taking them out also of the environment that they're in, even changing the room is something that works with babies and it works with toddlers too. you know, if they're throwing a fit in the living room, take them upstairs to the playroom or something like that. And sometimes that fresh stimulation is enough to kind of help them come back down. Mm -hmm. Is that something that y'all have tried when you're talking about redirection? Yeah, I think of like there's more like a casual redirection and then like you got to go nuclear with the redirection, right? Uh Uh, The nuclear being like none of your other attempts are working and the crying and the tantrum continues. And it's like once it kind of builds up to a crescendo, there's no stopping it is what I kind of feel like. If they've gone at it for, you know, a minute, you know, flat, um, you're not really coming back from that until they've kind of gone through a moment. And so then you might want to just move the environment physical location change. That's what I kind of feel like sometimes is when I would do the physical moving is when it's like last resort, you're not getting through to them in any other means. And you're just kind of going to remove the connection to whatever the problem is perhaps. And then like the casual stuff, I kind of think of how I do it is like trying to get in there quickly and not so much 
take their attention away from the thing that's bothering them, but like try to get in and talk about it. Um, so we've, you know, not even just recently, but, you know, uh, many months ago, we, we tried to take the approach of communicating and talking it out. And like Noah's pretty good at using his words now, but it wasn't always that way. So we started with the like, okay, use your words. Can you tell me what's wrong? Like prompting them in that kind of way of like talking it out, trying to help them with the communication, like reminding them that they can communicate. And that even still works, even though like my son is, you know, pretty decent with, with talking and saying things like still reminding him to do it tends to work because it distracts him and then he will express himself maybe and say like what the problem is or maybe I'll remind him and say what are you mad about or like what's wrong or um, if we want to do something and he doesn't want to do it I'd be like what do you want to do not because I'm going to give him what he wants but just to give him the chance to explain what he's thinking and I think like an example um, you know the other day a common problem that can lead to a meltdown uh, he's playing with his trains and it's like a wooden train set and it's all the little pieces that have to be connected together to make the train track if he struggles for more than a few seconds with like getting two pieces to connect he'll give up and like you know start to cry right because he can't fit the pieces in mm -hmm. um, so I'll try to get in there and just be like okay all right let's remember like oh, what if we try again and okay what if we try to flip it around or what if we uh, turn it around or you know I try to give him a prompt to like do it again because usually if he just sticks with it for more than a second he'll actually fix it uh, and that'll kind of avoid it so a lot of kind of more casual meltdown material I kind of end up taking that approach of like no we can fix it it's fine and then my my attempt is to try to not just fix it for him <laughs> and try to toe the line of like talking him through fixing it maybe like reminding him that it's possible um, but I, I advocate and I like the communication like angle of like trying to get them to talk it out because I I tend to find that what what doesn't sit well with me as a parent is when I haven't tried to communicate what I'm wanting and then, you know, I don't, I haven't given them a chance to understand. Um, so they may not always understand what we are telling them has to happen because sometimes they have to do something or they have to stop playing or, you know, it's time for bath or whatever it is. And you won't always win those arguments, but I always, I always feel better if I have tried to explain the situation and like what's about to happen. And that's one of the examples they give here is, um, I'm trying to see exactly how they phrase it, but it's basically like give advanced warnings on things that will make them unhappy. Oh yeah. Example of like taking away a toy, taking away a screen, giving them food that they don't like. We all been there every day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so for me, um, what I've found helpful is always talking it out ahead of time, setting the expectation, being like, okay, and I'm also really big on using time to your advantage, like the advance warning. All right, in five minutes, we're going to do this. In two minutes, we're going to do that. And if I start with five, I give them another reminder at two and at one or whatever, because more often than not, it's not 100%, but like it's not 0%. Like they at least can appreciate that you told them mm -hmm. um, and it's not out of left field. I feel like whenever we don't give the advance warning and it's out of left field, it makes complete sense to me that they don't understand yeah. what's going on. They can't comprehend it. Absolutely. I mean, you know, imagine if you're working away in the middle of a work day and then all of a sudden the power cuts out and you just lost that 50 page Excel doc, you know, that you were working on with no warning and all of that's gone. So you're mad, you're confused. You have to start all over. Uh, I mean, they're going through the exact same emotions. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I use the same the advanced discussion of things so mm -hmm. that they don't feel like they're being just, you know, surprised. 
uh, I've mentioned in last week's episode that now that we're potty training David, we're giving him a little bit more screen time than usual uh, as an Mm -hmm. incentive to get on the potty. So when it's time to then get off, if I were to just yank that away from him, obviously Mm -hmm. he's going to go into meltdown mode. But what has been working is when I say, okay, in two minutes, uh, we're going to get up. Or, you know, when that blippy song is over, we're going to get up. And then when that's done, then I come back in. I'm like, okay, all right, now it's time to say bye-bye. And I mean, you know, it may not completely make him, okay, great, sure. But it will make him disappointed, but maybe not crying you know yep and that helps because also the next kind of tip that goes along with that i think in tandem is follow through on what you say so you give the warning you've laid out like this is what's going to happen uh it's going to happen in a few minutes or whatever you give your kind of rationale um so it's not a surprise but then you actually do it oh yeah and so you actually take it away and you'd be like i told you you know blah 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 i don't know it's a not quite three-year-old for me but for some reason like having the dialogue makes me feel vindicated and like no we talked about this like Mm -hmm. I told you what's going down. I gave you the expectation. You know, you're upset about it. I understand you want to be upset about it, but like, no, like for whatever reason, that feels like an adult level conversation. But I, even though they're so young, I still think it's, you know, it's valid, right? You, you explain the expectation, you give the reason for it, you move on and you follow through. So always follow through on your action. Mm -hmm. Don't set a bad precedent of like, I'm going to take it away and then you don't take it away or take it away and then you give it back, whatever it might be. Exactly. It helps reinforce the behaviors you want. It does. And um, I mean, you know, you're talking about saying something and then following through on your word. And that's important because at this stage, kids are learning the rules of the world Mm -hmm. and they are learning that, okay, if someone says they do something, they're going to do that so they can trust, even if they don't like what it is they say they're going to do, they can trust that, okay, you said this that means that's going to happen mm-hmm. for the same reason we've talked about before that kids will watch the same TV show or movie or read the same book over and over again because they're learning, okay, this is going to happen the same way every time. And that's just the way that reality works. Uh, you know, so they need to learn those lessons. They need to learn that if daddy makes a promise, daddy's going to keep the promise, even if that promise is a you know perceived negative yeah. promise. And one tip they threw in that I had never considered before and that I have been uh, very bad about is use short and easy to understand directions and statements and consequences and things like Mm. that Uh, because you are dealing with a kid who does not have a very expansive vocabulary yet so rather than trying to explain in great detail uh why it is you're taking away their toy or why it is they've got to go to school keep it short and to the point so that they then don't have the added confusion of trying to figure out what it is you're saying to them you know i think the example was Okay, time to go now. Okay, get up. Okay, we're going to leave. Okay, I'm going to take this for five minutes. You know, the shorter you can keep it and the more direct the language, the easier it is they're going to be able to uh, access that information and uh, process it emotionally. Yeah, that's definitely something I'm definitely guilty of over explaining things to my kid. I guess I forget that he's only three years old Mm -hmm. and I try and explain it to him like he's my age, which, you know, it's cool to respect your kid and to, you know, give them the benefit (laughs) of the doubt. Okay, you're 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 a smart guy. You're a human. I can talk to you. You're okay. Person to person. Um, But, you know, don't forget that, uh, like I said, they know maybe 20, 25 words and you're using words that they don't know yet. So, um, yeah, Yeah, that was a lesson for me. I get into a similar situation where. you're not going to be, you know, maybe proactively thinking about this in the moment, but something that 
that I end up doing is if I start trying to explain a situation and if I feel myself rambling, that might be when I trigger like mid multiple paragraphs of explanation. I'm like, wait a minute, none of this is going to make any sense. I've, <laughs> I've gone too far. Yeah. Um, and then I need to stop whatever I'm trying to say and just like start back over again and translate a long paragraph or multiple into like, okay, it's time to get up. Like what you're saying. So I'll, mm -hmm. I'll sometimes catch myself where I've been trying to like really extol the virtue of why we need to eat this meal. And then I'm just like, okay, no, wait, this is falling on like completely incomparable years. And, and it's, it's a three-year-old man. You gotta, you gotta stop. Uh, yeah. So, you know, maybe you can catch yourself kind of in that reactive sense. It'll still work. You can stop and start over again and try to kind of reframe your argument in a mm -hmm. simpler context. Yeah, definitely. One big tip that they give uh, for once you've calmed the storm a little bit is to not dwell on what just happened. You know, after they've stopped crying, they've calmed down, they're doing what you want them to do, move on. Just drop it and move on. Because if you then go back and say, okay, now remember, we're not going to do that again. The more you dwell on that, the more likely they are to go right back into that mode. So just, you know, take your victory and move on. And they end it uh, with what I think is good advice for any parent is don't take it personally. Don't fall into the trap of, oh, I can't get my kid to behave right. You know, what's wrong with me? Um, I mean, this is totally normal behavior. Like we said at the beginning, this is just because they don't know how to ask for what they want yet. They're having trouble communicating. They're having trouble managing how they feel about things. Sometimes they have trouble controlling their own actions. So what looks like spiteful, angry, rebellious behavior to us, it may just be a kid trying really hard to control what they're doing and thinking, I don't want to be doing this either, but I have no control and I'm freaking out right now. You know, kids have that freak out emotion just like adults do. Yeah. So don't take it personally. Uh, remember that you're doing a better job than you think you are. And I mean, do your best, I guess. <laughs> it's just, that's just a parenting summary. The, the book on parenting should be called Parenting, don't take it personally. Definitely. That's all there is to it. And that applies everywhere. But I think uh, definitely the way that I kind of feel that out too is if afterwards or after they've gone to bed and I go back and I'm like, man, that was a rough night. Mm -hmm. I try to help myself feel better by just thinking about like, okay, did the meltdown happen because they hate me? Uh, no. Is it a surprising meltdown? Probably not. You know, you've probably gone through it again. And like, okay, next time I know that I could have communicated that better. I could have given the signals uh, or I could have maybe tried to explain it better or asked my son to use his words. So, you know, there's always something you can kind of go back. And when you replay it in your head, instead of being like, this was the worst night ever, you're going to have that feeling too. grab the wine, move on <laughs> from that. And then just think about, okay, but did I give the warnings? You know, you could do like a debrief with yourself. You're not going to be yeah. critical of yourself, but you can, you can just kind of refresh yourself on, all right, well, next time uh, I'll feel better about this because I will have given the warnings and at least I will know that I tried. <laughs> Even Absolutely. If, even if you fail again, at least it just sometimes that's all I need for my emotional state is just be like, well, I tried. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. And, you know, it, it is a little reassuring that so often they will snap out of that meltdown mode back into happy toddler mode in the blink of an eye. It's crazy sometimes how quickly David will go from screaming and mm -hmm. rolling around on the floor to jumping up with a smile and being like, okay, ready for the next thing. I mean, mood swings, what can I tell you? They're going to happen. They're that's gonna happen how you know you've got those little buggers is when they get mm -hmm. over it immediately and you're like, ah, I knew ah, it. I knew exactly. you weren't really upset. You're just pushing my buttons. <laughs> 
Exactly. Um, a, a couple of quick little don'ts I want to throw in before I move to uh, to the next thing. Um, I mean, these are things that we all do. We're all guilty of and you shouldn't beat yourself up over if you do them. But just keep in mind that they're not the most effective uh, strategies, things like bribing your kid. You know, hey, if you calm down, if you stop crying, I'll give you a sucker. Mm, the more you do that, the more they're going to learn that, OK, I can use my behavior to manipulate my parent into getting what I want, you know, and I'm not saying kids are manipulative little devils, but sometimes, you know, I mean, we're the same way, yeah. you know, so try not to do that. Uh, also try, I mean, this is, this is hard for anyone, but you know, try to be the calm one in the situation, try to avoid raising your voice or losing your cool. I mean, it's difficult because them being emotional is naturally going to make us emotional too. Um, but they kind of need an anchor at this point and they don't need the added thought of, oh, if I freak out like this, it's going to make my parent freak out because it'll either A, give them something to try and use against you or B, it'll just make them even more confused and scared. There's a good example. I think it's, uh, I think like the joke is like, they call it teacher voice where like mm -hmm. you, there's like a stern, clear raising of the decibel, but not a yelling or a shouting. We're like, Noah, mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I'm not yelling. Oh, yeah. I'm raising my voice with intention so you can hear it. It carries through the room, through the tears, but I'm not shouting. Noah, what are you doing? I'm just like, Noah Spears. What are you doing? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, these are all things that they're bound to happen. No parent is perfect. We're going to resort to those last ditch efforts every once in a while. And you haven't permanently ruined your kid if you do that. I, I Just a couple of weeks ago, David was having a meltdown at the dinner table and I caved in and gave him what he wanted right away just because I lost my cool and I didn't know what else to do in that moment. And then mm -hmm. like afterwards, my wife and I were both like, okay, not the end of the world, but let's not do that again. No, it's good because there's, yeah. this is going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. Spoilers a lot. Yep. And uh, it feels really good to get it right, to feel like you handled it perfectly. And then the next day you're going to do a terrible job. Like we're just not perfect, right? We just can't yep. do it right every time. So yeah, definitely like take the L, take the loss. If you just, you failed at that one, give yourself a chance to move on. Sometimes I even feel like, um, you know, you get to that point where I realize I need to remove myself from the situation. Like we talked about moving the kid out of the environment. Sometimes you need to move yourself out of the environment. Um, if you're just like, can't handle the meltdown or like, it's been a drawn out fight, um, like put the kid somewhere that they can move on. And then you put yourself in a different room where you can take a minute and move on and just be like, <sighs> okay, cool. Cool, 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 cool. I got this. I got this. <laughs> I'll do it better next time. There's always a next time. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a next time for the next 18 years, and then they are on their own. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, so I want to move on to hard mode now. Um, oh this is not something that's going to apply to every family, um, but this does happen. It's more common than you may think. Uh, what to do when children develop a habit of hurting themselves when they're mad. Um, I'm referencing an article by Janet Lansbury. And from what I've read, this is actually, it's somewhat common. Um, a very common behavior for toddlers when they're upset at this age is to hurt others, but somewhat less commonly kids, especially if they've had trouble developing language, maybe they're a little behind the curve on that, um, or 
they're just having trouble managing those emotions. Like we said, they will turn to sometimes it's biting themselves. Sometimes it's hitting mm -hmm. their head on surfaces. Um, this is actually something that I did a lot as a toddler and a kid. And I, I don't know where that behavior came from. My parents tried to manage it the best they could. Um, and I never hurt myself. I never, you know, damaged anything, but it was, it was just a way for me to release that stress, I guess. And what they say is sometimes it's just a way to release endorphins and get a, a little chemical burst, whether that's your mm -hmm. you know body trying to block the pain of hitting yourself in the head. Um, this is just something that toddlers do sometimes. And sometimes it's just a way to get a response out of the parent. Uh, a lot of times David does this. He'll, he'll get on his bed if he's mad and he'll hit his head on the headboard and it's not a oh, very yeah. hard headboard. So it's, you know, he's not bruising himself or knocking himself out, but it definitely hurts. And then he'll turn and look at me and try and gauge oh, my, my reaction. Oh my so, God. He's staring you down. It's like, you're going to let this happen, buddy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, exactly. I could do and, this all day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but for real, oh my it, God. It, it, What's interesting is what she says is sometimes that's it's not them testing you. It's them trying to figure out what makes you tick. They're just they're mm. genuinely curious, like, why do they act the way they act when I act the way I act? What's the connection mm. there? Um, because what she says is it's interesting. They may get confused and scared if you lose your cool at them losing their cool. You know, like, mm. why are you acting this way when I'm just trying to act on my instinct, basically? And sometimes even this was interesting to me. If a kid is hitting themselves in the head, it may be a sign of sort of inner physical discomfort. Maybe it's an ear infection and that just makes them mm. feel better. With David, he has dealt with ear infections in the past, but this is just usually when he's mad. The advice for this situation is probably going to surprise you. It definitely surprised me. While some resources will tell you to intervene and to stop them from doing this behavior, Janet actually surprised me. She said it's actually best not to intervene too much unless what they're doing is dangerous and is really going to cause harm to them. And what she says, which I kind of like, is just trust the kid to handle themselves and to stop when it gets to be too much. And that's definitely counterintuitive because no parent wants their child to experience pain in life. But what she says is if you intervene and if you stop them from doing that thing, it can actually make that behavior more frequent and more intense uh, because they're going to try and barrel through the boundaries that you're mm -hmm. putting up. So she says, don't panic, don't raise your voice, just stay calm and find subtle ways to reduce the impact of what it is they're doing. So uh, in my example, if David is hitting his head on the headboard, I can sneakily grab a pillow and put it where he's going to put his head mm -hmm. so that he still gets the impact, but he's not going to do uh, you know any damage to himself. If a child is in the habit of biting themselves or biting their siblings or something like that, you give them something else to bite down on, you know, a, a mm. teething ring or, you know, something hard like that that's not going to hurt anybody. Again, this is not something that everyone deals with, but it's your child is not weird if they go through it. Um, I mean, I was weird as a kid in a lot of ways, uh, but uh, <laughs> you turned yeah. out mostly not weird. I turned out mostly not weird. And it, yeah. again, just like everything else, it's a more extreme example of it, but it is just a sign that your child is growing and experiencing more emotions and trying to figure out what to do with them. And they'll need guidance from you for sure. But kids also learn to manage these things on their own and the way that works best for them. And I, I like Janet's advice. It's hard to follow through with sometimes to just let a kid have a meltdown to give mm -hmm. them space to let them kind of go through it on their own. But it really will let them know that you trust them and, mm -hmm. you know, that you're not going to overprotect them and smother them and not let them do what it is they need to do. I think we touched upon that last week and we've touched upon 
this a long time ago, the concept of helicopter parenting and bulldozer parenting mm-hmm. and, you know, pushing down all of the obstacles for your kid. Sometimes they need to know that if I do this, I will get hurt. Mm-hmm. If I do this, I will not get my way. You know, and even if that means just letting them have a meltdown and hit something until they feel pain and then go, oh, okay, there's the line. That's where I need to stop. And, you know, rather than robbing them of that information by not letting them do the thing. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. As we say all the time, we're not experts. We're just kind of going off of what we're learning along the way. Um, but I don't know. I mean, that, that seems like pretty good advice to me. It's an insane sounding, barbaric sounding, you know, approach. I totally get it because hearing it sounds, it sounds insane, but sounds I cool. can't, I can't deny the fact that like, if I let my son bang his head against the wall, he is going to get hurt by that. And he will learn like, what the heck am I doing? Why mm-hmm. am I banging my head against the wall? Does it stop the tantrum? Maybe not, but maybe he won't bang his head against the wall. Cause he realizes, yeah. Oh, right. When I do that, uh, concussion. Mm-hmm. Don't- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, you know, and that's something that adults do sometimes when they're struggling to control their anger. I mean, maybe not that extreme, but, you know, the yeah, punch the a idea. wall, break your hand and you're like, uh, probably shouldn't. Yeah, do that exactly. Or slamming your fist on a table or, you know, some other sign uh, of aggression like that. Um, you learn pretty quickly when it's going to be too much and when it's not worth whatever emotional benefit you're getting out of it. So, I mean, her advice and something that I'm going to try my best to do is just let them figure that out on their own. And I I think that's kind of the bottom line. Um, it may go against our instinct as parents, but uh, if you give your kid the freedom to lose their cool once in a while, you know, you give them space, you put them in the room, give them five minutes on their own to get it out of their system. Sometimes they need that. Sometimes they need to cry. They need to stomp their feet. They need to scream and hit something rather than bottling up those emotions and just stopping crying because you told them to stop crying. That's not going to that's not going to be good for your kid in the long run. Uh, they need to learn how to express themselves, how to get out those emotions, um, and how to really be honest with you when they're not having a good time instead of just putting on a, a happy face just so they don't get in trouble, you know? And they're going to be fine. Like we say, uh, with almost everything that we talk about, you're not going to get it right 100% of the time. That's fine. Your parents didn't either. You turned out just fine. So just do your best. I don't know. <laughs> So that'll do it for this week's episode of Dad Splaining. Brandon, between this week and next week, if our listeners want to reach out to us with questions or comments, or if they've got stories to share or something they'd like us to talk about, where can they find us? Please give us a like or a follow on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Dad Splaining Podcast. You can reach out to us directly at dadsplainingpodcast at gmail.com. And then you can check out this and every episode anywhere you get your podcasts. Please do us a favor and subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice. If you would be so kind, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We would love a five-star rating, uh, but go wherever your heart leads you. And please leave a review. Let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. Send us a message. Send us an email. Uh, We love having those one-on-one conversations with you. We're real. We're here. We're dads. And we can all learn from each other. So let's have a conversation. We will be back next week with another topic or an interview or just me and Brandon vamping and ranting about things that are going right and wrong in our parenting lives. But until then, I'm Jesse. And I'm Brandon. And Brandon, why was four afraid to ask five on a date? Oh, this is not the six, seven, eight, nine. What is, Mm -mm. oh my gosh, it's a new one. I have no idea. Because four was too squared. Too, too, too squared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> too, oh, scared. Too, okay. too, too scared, yeah. too squared. Too, too scared.
Just, yeah. yeah. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I get it. Okay. God. All right. There we'll it see is. Y'all. Yeah. Oh, boy. We'll, we'll see you next time. The advice and opinions expressed on Dadsplaining are solely those of its hosts and guests and should not be substituted for the advice of professionals. If you have a serious concern about the health or development of your child, please consult with your pediatrician. If you're experiencing an emergency, please call 911. Don't listen to us. We're really just good for dad jokes. If you're enjoying Dadsplaining, you might enjoy this other podcast from our friends here at WSB Radio. Hello, friends. This is Jared Yamamoto from The Power Pod, and we are a weekly recap show where we cover the current events of the week. And of course, during these times, COVID-19 is on everybody's mind. We will cover the good, the bad, and the ugly regarding this crisis. We will be serious with the coronavirus, but we will also find ways to have fun with it as well. So be sure to check us out Saturdays from 11 to noon and Sunday mornings from 9 to 11 on 98.7 FM and AM 1340 WGAU or grab the PowerPod podcast on any of your favorite podcast providers or your favorite smart speaker.